On their return, the apostles told him all they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away. And the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, and had them all sit and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, twelve baskets of broken pieces. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Open our eyes to see the glories and wonders in your word. Open our eyes to see our crucified and risen Savior. And Lord, open our eyes to see your work of the Holy Spirit, working even now in our hearts. We pray that he would work powerfully and unto our salvation. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We come in our passage this week with a question still ringing in our ears. A question that Brad posed last week. Even more pointedly, a question that Herod asked at the end of last week's passage. Who is Jesus? Last week, Brad pointed out that Luke has been using this question over and over again. He's putting this question in in different mouths on the lips of all kinds of people throughout Jesus' ministry in Galilee. We've heard it from skeptics. We've heard it from followers, doubters, and believers. Listen to just a few of these questions that we've heard uh, mounting one after another throughout the ministry in Galilee. Chapter 5, verse 21. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Chapter 7, verse 49. Who is this who even forgives sins? Chapter 8, verse 25. Who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? And then, last week we heard this question even on the lips of Herod. Chapter 9, verse 9. Who is this? about whom I hear such things. So why has Luke been hitting us with this question time and time again? What does he want us to to see? 
going back to the very beginning of this gospel, back to the purpose for which he's writing this letter. Luke wants us each to have certainty concerning the things we have been taught. Certainty concerning who Jesus is and what he's done. So each of these questions pushes us forward to a clearer and more decisive answer to that question. A greater understanding of who Jesus is. So what does the feeding of the 5,000 this familiar miracle that we, we approach this morning. How does it answer that question? How does it help us to say decisively and from our own lips, who is this about whom we hear such incredible things? Well, we're going to answer that question, but I'm not going to give you the answer right up front. I want us to sit on it. I want us to first see this miracle, a miracle that we, we've maybe become a little too familiar with. So I want us to just sit on this miracle for a bit, tease it out, see what is it saying about Jesus? And then I want us to answer that question. So first the miracle and then Luke's message. Luke sets the scene for this miracle with his disciples returning from that short-term missions trip we heard about last week. And if any of you have gone on a missions trip, how do you come back? How do you feel? Exhausted. Just utterly worn out. Maybe you sleep for a few days. And that's got to be exactly how these disciples are feeling. And it's not surprising that they seek out a retreat alone with Jesus. Time after time, we've seen Jesus pouring himself out in miracles. We know he is truly human, and so he too seeks a break from these incessant crowds that press in on him. Him and his disciples. Seeking this much-needed retreat alone. And so they set out for a secluded place in the wilderness, right outside the town of Bethsaida. But the crowd that's been following Jesus has a different idea. As Jesus and his disciples arrive at their retreat spot, they realize they've been trailed there by a massive gathering. There are 5,000 men. And this doesn't even include the women and children who came with them. So we're talking about maybe 20,000 people in this crowd, desperate to get near to Jesus as he's seeking his retreat. That's enough to fill the Dayton Flyers arena one and a half times. This is a huge number of people. So what does tired and exhausted Jesus do? Verse 11. He welcomed them. Don't miss out on those three words because they show us not only the humanity of Jesus, but also the deep compassion of our Savior. He pours himself out to needy people. He spends the entire day caring for this crowd. What does that say to us when we wonder if we can draw near to our Savior? He's always welcoming us. And so, 
He spends the entire day designed for his retreat instead preaching good news to these misfits. Curing the blind, the lame, the sick that have limped out to this remote location. But as Jesus ministers to this crowd, the disciples start to become aware of a problem. A serious problem. The day is wearing away. The dark shadows are starting to to loom, stretch across the landscape, and the people need something to eat very soon. Maybe you'd hear the children start to grow restless. People start to murmur about food. But certainly the disciples are aware of this problem. They come to Jesus. Jesus, send these people away. They need something to eat. Where are we supposed to find food out in this desolate place, out in this lonely stretch of wilderness? And to make matters worse, hardly anyone packed a lunch. Do you notice that? Out of this huge crowd, again, a crowd that can fill the Dayton Flyers arena one and a half times over, they only have five fish and two loaves. I don't understand that, frankly. But this is the situation. Now let's put it into perspective. Imagine that you're on a hiking trip deep in the Colorado wilderness. And you've just made it to the top of a mountain peak. You've been working at it for hours. And you finally get to the top. When you reach into your your backpack, you reach for that granola bar and you realize, oh, I've only got a third of it left. And then you reach for your water bottle. You're parched. You look in. Oh, no. I've only got three gulps at, at, at the most. And it's worse than that. You've got no cell reception. And you're a full day's hike from any civilization. Now that begins to give us a sense of the magnitude of the problem here. Just, just a little taste of it. And why the disciples come to Jesus saying, Jesus, you've got to send these people home. It also makes Jesus' response to the disciples all the more surprising. Verse 13 You give them something to eat. Say what, Jesus? You want us to feed them? We we might be able to put some money together, but not enough for this. Now remember the context. Jesus just sent his disciples out on their first internship experience. And when he sent them out, all the way back in verse 3, what do we hear? Take nothing for your journey. Jesus has already prepped them for this. They went out town to town in groups without Jesus. No food, no money. And what was this all building up to teach them? Your God provides. I will provide for your ministry. You only need depend on God for your every need. This is ministry 101. And now comes the final exam. Kids, this is the moment 
when your teacher stops showing you how to do a math equation on the board and she turns around and she gives you the chalk and she says, okay, now you solve this one. Well, how do the disciples do? Not so well. Even after they've seen God provide through the calming of the storm, even after they've seen Jesus raise the dead to life, they're still running around like chickens with their head cut off. Unconvinced that the one standing in their very midst can provide for this need. Isn't that so like us, though? Time and time again, we see the Lord's provision in our life, and then here comes the next thing. What do I do? Well, Jesus shows them how it's done. Jesus helps his disciples, these ones of little faith. He takes the five fish and the two loaves, this meager resource. And he tells the disciples, go ahead and have these, these masses sit down in groups of about 50. And then come back to me. And as they return to Jesus, he gives them food. And they go back to these groups. Hand out all the food. Come back to Jesus. There's more. And more. And more. And more. The food just keeps coming. Every time one of these 12 comes back to Jesus, his hands are full of a never-ending supply of broken loaves and fish. I wish I was there to see that. Verse 17. The crowds ate. All of them ate. And here's the punchline. And were satisfied. But there's more. So much food comes from Jesus' hands. So much uh, food is, is overflowing that there's leftovers. And what was left over was picked up. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. A basket for each of these doubting disciples. Wow. What a miracle. There's no other explanation from this. You can't, you can't find a natural explanation. There's some commentators who try to say, oh, there was some secret provision and they did this, this. No, this is unashamedly supernatural. There was not even a, a bit to feed this huge crowd. Jesus takes the little tiny ounce that they have and he multiplies it so that they're all so full they wouldn't want another morsel. So that's the miracle. What is the message? What's the message that Luke is telling us with the feeding of the 5,000? And how does this miracle answer Herod's question? Who is Jesus? Here's the message. Jesus is the abundant provider. 
He's the one who satisfies God's people more richly than they could have ever even imagined. And I want us to see three dimension of this, this reality about Jesus. First, Jesus is the abundant provider for Israel. God's people have been in this desolate place before. For 40 years, Israel camped out in the wilderness. And what's the first problem they met when they, when they left Egypt and started on that long and winding path to, to God's promised land? Food. They needed food. Lord, we are in the wilderness. We are in a desolate place. Give us some food to satisfy us. Listen to Psalm 78. This is what, this is what the psalmist says as he summarizes the thoughts of Israel in the desolate place in the wilderness. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. And then here's the, listen to this. Can he also provide bread or give meat to his people? That's the question that Israel asks. And what's the answer? Yes. Yes. Time and time again, God provided that meal in the wilderness. Through Moses, God rained bread down from heaven. And then what did we read this morning with the prophet Elisha? He took 20 loaves of barley and God multiplied that to feed 100 men. God can provide for his people in their desolate place. And once again, in the feeding of the 5,000, in this miracle this morning, we see God gathering food, gathering his people to eat food from heaven. We see him. Actually, this miracle is set up to remind us of those two instances in the wilderness. You notice that he had people get in groups of about 50 each. What does that look like? It looks like Israel camped around the tabernacle in the wilderness, ready to receive bread from heaven. And of course, this multiplication of loaves, what does it remind us of? Of Elisha's great miracle. But Jesus isn't just another Moses. Jesus isn't just another Elisha. He's not just a provider for God's people. He's the provider. Jesus is the good shepherd of Psalm 23 who leads Israel through a desolate place. He leads them through the valley of the shadow of death this desolate place. And then he sits his lambs in green pasture. He spreads a table for them. Their cup overflows. Luke is saying this, Israel, look no further. This Jesus of Nazareth, this man in the wilderness is your great shepherd. He's the one who spreads 
a table for you in the wilderness. He provides for your every need. And remember what Luke tells us at the very end of this passage. Twelve baskets were left over. There's enough for this crowd. There's enough for the disciples. And there's enough for the twelve tribes of Israel. This is your abundant provider, Israel. So Jesus is the abundant provider for Israel, but second, I want us to see Jesus is the abundant provider for his church. Just like Israel, just like God's people in those old days, we, God's one people, are today still in a desolate place. There's no doubt about that. This is a time, this is something that the New Testament reminds us of over and over again, that we are on our way to Zion. We're on our way to the promised land. And while we're on the way there, the time here is full full of suffering. Serving Christ is difficult. Just look at our resources here at First Street to get a glimpse of that. All we have is 40 people and a rented room. A rented room that sometimes feels a little hot. None of us have connections with the city leaders. None of us are politicians or celebrities or billionaires. And so imagine that someone comes in here and they say, you expect me to believe that this little church plant is going to make a change with souls in Dayton. You have no more than five loaves and two fish. Yes. Yes. And here's why. The abundant provider in this miracle still provides today. He still provides for his church. And what we see in this miracle is It's a basic theology of how Jesus sustains his church here and now. You want to see how Jesus sustains and provides for his church? This miracle gives us a brilliant picture. We come to Jesus with our feeble efforts. We come to Jesus with our underdeveloped talents. We place our simple offerings at his feet. And what does he do? He multiplies them. He gives us more and more and more than we could ever imagine. He provides abundantly for his church. And do you know when we're reminded of that every week? It's the Lord's Supper. Did you notice that Luke weaves some familiar words into this passage? Verse 16, Jesus took the bread. He blessed it. He broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples. These are words that we're about to hear. These are words, the exact words of Jesus on on the very night he was betrayed. The words of institution, the last supper. And so every week, In the Lord's Supper, there is an intricate connection with that banquet 
This banquet that we're preparing to eat and the banquet that these people had out in the desolate place in the wilderness. And here's the message that Jesus has for you as you prepare to come to the Lord's Supper. It's that this food in the wilderness is a picture of an even greater spiritual food, a food that sustains us every day of our walk all the way to Zion, a food that fully satisfies you and I and anyone who receives it. And that spiritual food is Jesus himself. Jesus abundantly provides for his church. Finally, I want us to see that Jesus is not only the abundant provider for Israel, and that means he's the abundant provider for his church today, but last, he is the abundant provider for you. Many of you here today come to Jesus. You come to this building in a desolate place, uncertain about the economy ups and downs, the swings of the stock market. You come here in limbo with your job. What's going to happen next? Will I have my same job tomorrow? Do I want my same job tomorrow? What does that mean for me? You come here at a standoff with sin time and time again, struggling with the, the, the deceitfulness of your own hearts. You come in a desolate place and maybe you're starting to see that you just don't have the resources. Five loaves and two fish. It's not going to get the job done. But let me ask you a question. What if What if Jesus Christ really is sufficient for your needs? What if you can really trust God to fulfill your greatest needs in Jesus Christ? What if that's true? Well, Jesus is telling you through this miracle and this very passage that he really is sufficient for you, that you really can trust him to provide and provide far more than you ever could have imagined. Friends, Jesus' hands are open and extended to you. They are full of endless supplies of food. Spiritual food. Food from heaven for your tired souls. And food that he won by the sacrifice of his own life to give you bread from heaven. Food that never runs out. Food that always satisfies. Philippians 4.19, Paul says these words, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Friends, there's only one way to true satisfaction. And that's through Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can feed. Feed you until your stomachs are so full you don't need any more. He is the only one 
who can satisfy your hungry, thirsty, exhausted hearts. Turn to him this morning. Ask him to work this miracle of multiplication in your life. And and as you look to him by faith, trust that he will bring this about in ways far beyond what you could ever have imagined. Far beyond anything that could have entered your mind. For he is your abundant provider. Let's go to him now in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have provided for us abundantly in Jesus Christ. That in him we find great satisfaction. Food that never runs out. And that, Lord, you are about to remind us of that as we come to your banquet feast. Even now, Lord, the glories of your kingdom, your, your, uh, in, in that future banquet, bursting forth. So we pray that we would be reminded that Jesus takes and he multiplies and he feeds every last one that comes to him by faith. Help us to come to him by faith this morning. We pray this all in his name. Amen.